0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala sermon podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. Now, if if you've been listening to the podcast these last couple of weeks, you know that this is episode three of our Great Expectations series, and Pastor Todd is going to share with us from Acts chapters one and two. I hope you'll be encouraged to know that Jesus has a plan and he's sticking to it. It should be challenging though when we realize that Jesus has a place for us in his plan. We have a role in the plan that Jesus is executing in the world. And so I hope that this will be helpful in understanding our role and starting to play that role in our neighborhoods and in our homes and anywhere that Jesus has placed us. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.
1: Well, good morning, church. We're going to be in Acts this morning and continuing our Great Expectations series. And we've covered a lot of different expectations of what Eve and David, and last weekend was unmet expectations. So if you would turn to Acts chapter 2. But has anybody seen the movie Independence Day? Yeah, we've seen the movie Independence Day. If you haven't, this is where the main character leads this resounding counterattack from aliens who've come to Earth. Good morning. And and here's a video.
0: In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world, and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation, we're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, we will not vanish without a fight, we're going to live on going to
1: survive today we celebrate our Independence Day they want to celebrate their Independence Day on the 4th of July kind of makes sense doesn't it but if you look like the audience is mostly Americans what are they thinking but this is the 4th of July we're supposed to have fireworks this morning, God takes us on this journey where there's a holiday and God shows up. Because He said, This won't be an Independence Day for Americans. It'll be where the world unites. And He casts a little bit of light onto the Independence Day that we think of. But by the, at the end of the movie, when they're victorious against the aliens, Independence Day then is renamed. This morning, we had the same type of holiday that God shows up. And it's an unexpected gift that happens on this holiday. And my clicker's not working. So move with me to page 754 in your Bible, or Acts 1, chapter 1, verse 1. The king's promised gift For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." And when they had said when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and he and said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So the King's promise gift. The context of Luke 1:1 1, 1 through 4, look what Luke has done. He says, Hey, I've written this book to you, o Theophilus, and I've chronicled the life of Jesus, the promise, the prophecy about him, the promise about him, his birth, the genealogy, and by the way, the king promise. I've talked about his ministry, death, resurrection, and appearance to the, of Jesus with the apostles. Luke now relates in Acts the history of the Holy Spirit through those apostles. So Jesus is resurrected back from the dead. And post his resurrection, he spends 40 days with the disciples, telling them to stay in Jerusalem. Hey, and there's an unexpected gift coming. the complete immersion into the third part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 5. The disciples have one quick question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Does anybody chuckle? Through our series, Luke has presented hey, Jesus is the king. Jesus is a fulfillment of 1 Chronicles 17. And he's gone through the first four chapters of Luke. This is the king. This is the king. So he says, No, guys, I got something to do first. I got to go to the cross, be buried, and resurrect. So now he's with them for 40 days, and he says, Hey, the promise is coming. The unexpected gift is coming. And they say, Pause. Hey, are you going to restore your kingdom today? They still don't get it. They still don't get it. Even at the beginning of the book of Acts, they don't get it. And I like Jesus' answer not for you to know the time nor date. It's in the Heavenly Father's calendar and you don't get a sneak peek. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Fellas, there's something I've been talking about that is coming. Why is the gift coming? So you will be my witnesses in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, and the rest of the world. So Jesus ascends back to heaven. Guys, I know you're wondering about this restored kingdom, but you have something big coming, and there's an unexpected gift coming, and it's going to blow your mind. I'm going to ascend to heaven now. So you imagine them standing there looking up. We all would too. You know, Frank, you were to ascend to heaven today. We'd all stand there and be like, whoa, that's legit. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So we'd be standing there like, whoa. So the messenger shows up and says, he's coming back in the same way. The first 11 verses of Acts is so dense, I could preach here for three weeks. But Jesus has come, and he's promised to return. The good news of Jesus is his death, burial, resurrection, and promised return. So the gift is promised by the king. The king promises a gift. So the the king's gift is going to arrive. Move to chapter 2. We'll pick up in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their own and other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the king promises his gift. Now the promised gift is going to arrive. After Luke chronicles the replacement of Judas with Matthias, he goes straight to a Jewish holiday. Many of you may have heard of Pentecost this morning, but Pentecost existed a long time before Acts chapter 2. They're together for Independence Day, so to speak. An unexpected gift on a holiday. That's why we read Exodus 19 this morning. They're there celebrating when God gave the law to Moses, and how did that look like? Thunder, lightning, the mountain is on fire, trumpet blast. It looks like a mountain with a fire coming, with the smoke coming out of a kiln. When God shows up, it's a big deal. When God gave the law, it was a big monstrous deal. If you were a people that had just been rescued from Egypt and you're at the base of this mountain and you're just identified as a group of people for the very first time and God says, hey, I want you to follow me and here's how. Here's how you have a relationship with me. And by the way, I'm going to catch a mountain on fire. You're like, "Woo! that's worth celebrating. We'll call that Pentecost. Pent five. Pentateuch. two. Give me another Pentateuch. When is Pentecost celebrated in the Jewish calendar? 50 days after Passover. What had just happened at Passover? For these people at Acts 2. Jesus had died. So he was there 40 days. Hey, I'm alive, I'm alive. We don't believe you. Thomas says, where's my finger? Okay, so he does all that. So they're there at Pentecost. He did Passover, okay, but then you do Pentecost, that's where we became a people. That's our independence. Thing. Woo, yeah, and that's where God spoke to us and caught a mountain on fire. We don't have anything like that in our American lore. It'd be really pretty cool if George Washington didn't have wooden teeth, but man, he caught a mountain on fire. So they're there celebrating Exodus 19, the giving of the wall. So, in the exact same fashion, God the Holy Spirit shows up at this historic celebration, Pentecost. The giving of the law with what? The sound of a mighty rushing wind filling the entire house where they were all sitting with divided tongues of fire appearing and resting on each one of them. God shows up again with fire. I'm not too sure about this, Jesus man. You died, resurrected, you came back to life. You're going to do your kingdom. Hold on, there's a gift coming. Alright, we'll sit out in the room. Twelve of us will hang out. Said, sit here. We're on fire! We're on fire! Nobody's burning up. God showed up. Boys, you were expecting me to start a kingdom. You don't know what's coming. So God, the Holy Spirit, fills them, and then they get to unwrap this gift. The king promises a gift. The gift arrives, and then they get to unwrap it. Look at verse 5. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, aren't these men who are speaking just Galileans? How is it that we hear, each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elmites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pomphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty work of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So the gift is unwrapped. The national Jewish holiday celebration of giving the law has come, brought people to town from all over the place. And there's devout men from every nation under heaven there. That's a great place for God to show up with the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to give you a gift and I want you to use it for everybody. What a better time to do it? Everybody's in town. This diverse language-speaking holiday celebrants get to hear the disciples speaking to them in their own native language. People from all over the world are in for Pentecost, the party. And they hear the disciples speaking to them in their language. Luke basically covers the known globe at the time. This would be, if it was modern English, and when Luke was writing today, it would sound something like this. Those who were there to celebrate Pentecost could understand their language in Mandarin, Chinese, Spanish, English, Hindu, Arabic, Portuguese, Bengali, Russian, Japanese, and Punjabi. The top ten languages of the world. There's Peter speaking Punjabi. That's what they're like amazed. It'd be like me speaking in Hebrew. I never did quite get it. It would be a miracle, a work of God, the Holy Spirit, if I all his sons spoke Hebrew. Here are these fishermen speaking in these languages, the which people can understand. The gift is unwrapped. The boys use it. Why? So each recipient could hear the mighty works of God in their own tongue.
0: I love the Bible.
1: Because then they ask the obvious question in verse 12. What does this mean? If we're hanging out in Japan, and all of a sudden somebody starts talking to us, and we understand English, and we know that guy's from Japan, we're like, what's going on? How'd that person do that all of a sudden? You two would go, what in the world does this mean? Especially with 12 dudes who were just hanging out in a room, who didn't have, like, online courses in speaking foreign languages in 15 minutes, are communicating, articulating in a way that they can understand their own language. So the gift is promised by the king. The king says it's coming, and the boys unwrap the gift. And they're going to explain this gift because they're obviously asking, what does this mean? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and the signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and vapor, and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Verse 21, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The king's gift explained. Peter. Never one short on words. When the crowd asks, What does this mean? Peter jumps up. What does this mean? Why can we understand these people telling us about God's work in our own language? What in the world is going on? Notice what Peter does. He seizes the opportunity to answer their question. The recipients of the gift go from asking Jesus, "Hey, are you going to establish your kingdom now?" to answering questions because God has used them. Look at the transition in two chapters. Jesus, are you going to take care of us? Hold on. There's a gift coming, and you're not going to believe it. Peter, you're going to speak in Punjabi. he have been like, "Alright, all here's right. Just hold on, voice. It's coming." So they go from asking questions to answering the crowd's questions because God had used them. They're like, Jesus is right. The gift is here. Matter of fact, Joel prophesied about it. You can see the light bulb coming on in Peter's head. I remember in Scripture, Joel said this would happen. You mean God's word comes true? He promised this way back in the day, and look, it's happening, and it's cool—they're oh, coming together. Joel two is why we read Joel two this morning. That's why he's quoting Joel two. What is happening right now is what God has promised. His Holy Spirit is pouring out on all people. If you know anything about the Roman culture at the time, there was a huge stratification. What upset the Romans at the time? That. It, A Christian slave could sit in the same room as a master and be on equal footing. You didn't dare do that. Joel says, all people who receive Jesus Christ and receive this gift, then unwrap it, will receive it. Verse 19, then, is in the future. Joel 2 is about what happened in Acts 2. Joel 2 is also about what's going to happen. In verse 19, you make the jump into the future. What will happen? It was also what God's promised. There is judgment before grace. Fellas, here's your gift. Use it. This has been promised. This gift is coming. We knew this was coming, but when it hits us, we're like, whoa, surprise. But if you don't accept this gift, between the time that gift was given and the time when Jesus returns the second time, is grace. Inside of Joel 2, Peter is good enough to quote the whole thing. "This has happened today, but that also means the second half of this will happen. We know in Revelation that these things do happen. Grace precedes judgment. So look at verse 21. So in light of everything that you've heard, so in light of us unwrapping this gift, so in light of you asking me, "What in the world's going on?" verse 21 and it came to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in light of the gift in light of what you've experienced with your own ears in light of watching Peter speak Punjabi fellas this is it be saved be rescued from sin so the king has promised it The gift the gift is sent the boys unwrap the gift they explained it, the gift, and now they're going to explain the king. Look at verse 22. Men of Israel, hear the words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by you to you by God with mighty works and wonders, signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning of him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried. And his tomb is with us to this day. But being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne... He foresaw and spoke with, about the resurrection of Christ; that He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did His flesh see corruptions. This Jesus, God raised up, and all of what we are—all of that—we are, are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this to that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know that certain God has made him both Lord and Christ. this Jesus whom you've crucified. So they go, Peter explains what the gift is. Then he's going to explain the gift giver. Peter, never shy of sharing his mind, goes from explaining the current work of the Holy Spirit right there where they're at, through the gifts that they had been given, to the work that Jesus had done. How many days before? 50 days. This is fresh news. This isn't even on the fourth page of the Cali Press yet, guys. This is recent history. Peter's, oh my goodness, this is this. Holy Spirit, let me explain that to you. And while I'm at it, this happened to Jesus just a few weeks ago. And the Jewish participants at Pentecost had to have heard the news, had to have heard about it. Because Jesus brought thousands around himself. And by the way, what was the title above his head when he was crucified? king of the Jews God's long love story from Genesis to Revelation is all about taking horror stories and redeeming them the horror story is just a few weeks ago you all killed him he rose from the dead he said there was a gift I just explained that to you by the way I was an eyewitness Peter adds in there for a little effort Did anybody pick up verse 30, Acts 2, from where we've been going through our series? Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would, what? Set a descendant on his throne. Peter puts that back in there. We wanted this king to establish this before he ascended, and we just saw it. It was actually pretty cool. But we asked him if he was going to be that king. They still acknowledge it as king. Oh, wow, this also connects with the king being this, and he's sending this gift, and he's promised to come back. And I know, he just told me. So Peter is connecting that head-crushing, mighty king that we've been studying about on Pentecost, the Jewish holiday, to celebrate the mountain catching on fire. People from all over the world there, here, in their own native tongue, so they could understand Peter. A man that was joined by just 11 others as eyewitnesses to the Jesus story to explain why the gifts had been there. Move with me to Acts two thirty six. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain. Peter's like, can I have your attention, please? Can you hear me now? Pay attention. Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made them both what, Lord, and Christ. What promise does the word Lord fulfill? The head crusher, mighty king? Christ the Messiah, the sin taker carer of guy. Which one's returning? The split hairs kinda just follow me for a second. The Lord. Because he sins to the right hand of the Father as boss dude. Dominion over everything. And how is he returning? He's not in a manger. Lord of lords and and kicking some tail. The king's gift is accepted. Verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises, for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord of God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They accept the king's gift. The king promised the gift. The gift is sent. They unwrap it. It gets watched. They're like, whoa, that's crazy gift. Explain that to us. Okay, I shall do. By the way, this gift is for you too. They unwrap it. After watching and hearing the Holy Spirit descend like he did in Exodus 19... You're gathered to celebrate Exodus 19, and you see Exodus 19 2.0 happen. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? What's happening? Peter answers the question, brothers, what shall we do? They're cut to the quick. What should we do now? And Peter gets to the point repent turn around stop on the path in which you're going as your own king and follow the risen king repentance isn't i'm sorry that we teach little kids to hug no, i'm sorry is action from one direction to the action in the other direction go as king jesus king of your life And Peter says, with Jesus now ruling your life, follow his command and make your faith publicly known. Make your newfound faith public. Be baptized. Show your neighbors. Show your friends. And don't be afraid to go on the beach at Lake Weir and do it. We've been there to Lake Weir recently, and those are some fun celebrations. Because what happens when we do it at the beach? People are like, what you all doing? Bunch of weirdos. There's some good food. But what are you doing? What is this all about? What's that remind you of this morning? Why are they all talking in my language? What's this all about? Let me answer the question. When we take our faith public, God uses that. After accepting Jesus by faith, then you too will receive an unexpected gift. Imagine how laden that is in Peter's voice. His mind. He just got done minutes ago saying, Hey Jesus, you gonna set up your kingdom yet? No, it's not that time. I'm gonna send a gift. Okay. Boom, gift. He's like, Oh yeah, this is amazing. You too could have this. So they, Peter says, Hey, Jesus promised us this stuff too. We listened to the guy, we chose to follow him, and we watched him go back to heaven. And he recently promised even to us this unexpected gift of the Holy Spirit. We now know that this very same promise is for you, your children, and from people everywhere. So those who accepted, those who received that, those who believed it, those who decided to unwrap that gift from Jesus, was how many? At the end of our, verse 41. Three large. Three thousand. What's the great crescendo of this story? Is it Peter speaking Punjabi? What's the what's, what's, what's what's good thing? What's happened here in two chapters? Even run-on sentence Luke takes two, two chapters, but it's condensed... Guys, here's a gift. Boom. In the next chapter, 3,000. you all going from 12 to 3,000. If you accept, here comes the gift, fellas. Here comes the gift, ladies. 3,000 accept the gift. The unexpected gift of the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost celebration day of Exodus 19. It was such a big deal that it's gone historically in our minds from Pentecost celebrating Exodus 19. The wow, that's when the Holy Spirit showed up. What were the participants in the story? The disciples. Hold on, guys, hold on, guys. I know. Jesus says, I want you to participate. We like gifts. And we like knowing what our, our own spiritual gift is. What if we just sit on it? What if okay, Peter and the guys are sitting up there and the Holy Spirit lands. Everybody's on fire, not burning up. It's really weird. And they're like, hey, I'm speaking Punjabi. Well, I'm speaking Russian. You're cool. Practice. Go. Let me hear it, Frank. And Frank all of a sudden starts going Portuguese. And we're sitting around in the room. We're patting each other on the back saying, you want to hear something cool? Go, Joan. You do French. And we just sit there. And we gather once a week to say, how's your French lessons going? I'm getting better. I think I'll be able to get to France in two months. God gave me a special gift with Russian. German. And they just sat there. And it was a really good huddle because they went back and reviewed all the scriptures of Joel to tell them about it. And they parsed Joel out over and over again. They memorized Joel. Yep, this is going to happen. And they just sat in that room. What would the end of the story have been? Catastrophic, wasn't it? But we'd love to do that in church. Here's my gift. Let me practice on Sunday. I'm really good at it. We'll even memorize Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I ain't going to my world. I ain't making no disciple, but I'm practicing my gift, and I'm good at it. I ain't memorized it. Did God, God, look at this. God gave them the gift to gift to other people. The big idea this morning is Jesus' expectation is us using our gift to go and make disciples. The, whatever spiritual gift you've been going you, you, you have. That's why we read Romans 12 this morning. It's one of the lists, so you can go through and see which one do I have. What's Jesus' great expectation? When Jesus told the boys, hold on a second, I'm not going to be king yet, but I got a gift coming. What did you think expected?
0: Oh, you're not going to believe it, fellas. 3,000 people.
1: What's this, what's, it's the same thing. The same God who landed on Exodus 19 on Mount Sinai and caught the thing on fire is the same God who showed up at Pentecost while they're celebrating the giving of the law is the same God that you accept Jesus Christ today. That's the same powerful God that said, let there be light. Let the mountain catch on fire. Let him speak Punjabi. Obedience. Have you accepted Jesus' free gift? Because there's two gifts in this story. Because everybody's like, hey, we want that gift. We want that gift. Well, i was like, what is going on? Peter's like, here's, I'll explain the gift, but here's the process. The same Jesus you crucified rose again, and he's promised to come back. So we got to start there this morning. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Does that mean you're ready to accept a gift? Then, if you accepted Jesus as your Savior, are you using the, the gift that the Holy Spirit has given you? And just like I talked to kids this morning, you might have a gift, but it may need some practice. God doesn't end game you. You might have the gift of mercy, but you're going to have to be merciful. And how do you do that in a closed room in a cubicle all by yourself? You're going to have to practice. You might have to gift to giving, of mercy, of painting kid nation. We love that you practice that. Who's your disciple? Because Jesus said, hey, fellas, I'm going to give you a great gift. And the purpose of that gift is not about you. This following Jesus' business really isn't about you the more mature you get. It's all in how you use what he's given you to reach the next person and then to make a disciple. Because they're going to need training on how to use that gift. How to practice with others. And making a disciple isn't just memorizing verses. Isn't just studying the Bible about the gifts. Because you can know a whole lot about your gift and never practice it. So how are you using your spiritual gift in Ocala? In here, one to another, then out there. At your, method, real estate around your mailbox. What does that look like? At the real estate where you go and clock in and out every day. For where God has placed you, Why has he gifted you? For one another and for our community. Now, your gift is for others. Let's practice it together. Because some of us need some help. Pastor Michael has helped me a ton. Let's pray.
0: Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org.